Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Yeah, it's President Biden's favorite podcast, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always, the salt to my pepper, Chad Sowash is in the house, and we are just giddy, giddy to welcome Hilka Shellman, NYU professor and Emmy award-winning technology journalist and author of the book, How AI Decides Who Gets Hired, Monitored, Promoted, and Fired, and Why We Need to Fight Back Now. Hilka, was was AI used in, in creating the, the title of that book? Because it's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. You know, I, know, I know it was a mouthful, right? So it wasn't created by AI. But we did try to use AI for the book cover. I ran it through all the AI uh-huh. image generators. And you know what? very sad. There's a lot of robots. It was a lot of blue and zeros and one. And I was like, I don't want that. This is about like humans, <laughs> humans. So we came up with orange and yellow and a face and sort of fractaling how humans are reflected by AI and seen by AI. That's yeah. what we wanted to, uh, you know, that's what we wanted to uh, convey. So I worked with a human. On and that. we love humans oh. on the show. So before we get to, <laughs> before we get to all the AI, uh, let our listeners know uh, who Hilke is. What did I miss in the intro? Uh, what do you like to do in your personal life? Give us an insight into into Hilke. Yes, yes. Uh, so I'm Hilke Schellman. Um, I have a, a funny name, hence um, I'm originally from Germany. Um, it sounds very German, but it turns out the people of Germany have also never heard of my name. So, um, mm. you Nicht know. Gut. <laughs> Sehr gut. Um, Very good. Uh, <laughs> what part of Germany? I, I do like. Oh, you know what? I'm actually from the uh, northwest. It's a town called Bielefeld. It's between Hannover and Cologne. It's one of those, okay. um, you know, a fine town, mid-level size. I would not recommend you visit it. Good um, place to raise a family, I guess. Totally, yeah, totally. But apparently, sense. according to the German myth, Bielefeld doesn't exist. But I'm living proof that it does exist. Although now I live in New York City, so I'm a I'm a reporter here. And I'm also a, a professor at NYU. I teach students um, about being a reporter. And I think everything has been driven in my life about curiosity. So I mm-hmm. got really curious about AI a few years ago. And I also always loved math and kind of, I guess, missed that. Um, so I was like, whoa, there's you know technology that supposedly quantifies humans. I want to know more. Um, And the origin story is I took a Lyft ride 2017 at a Mm. conference in Washington, Uh D.C., which was with consumer lawyers. So nothing has nothing to do with AI. But I took a Lyft ride from the conference to Union Station to take a train back to New York. And I talked to the driver and Uh I asked him, hey, how was your day? And he was like, it was really weird. And, you know, I'm a reporter. I'm like, oh, yeah, tell me more. Why was it weird? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, everyone else would be like, oh, and I was like, oh, yeah, tell me more. Why Why was it weird? And uh, he was like, you know, I had a job interview with a robot. And I was like, what? A job interview with a robot? Tell me more. So um, it turns out he he had applied as a baggage ha- uh, for a baggage handler position at a local airport. And he got, you know, some pre-recorded phone message on his phone, asked him three questions. And I had never heard of that. So this is like six years ago. And I was like, what? So I made a note, like, robot interviews. And I forgot about it. 
until I went to an AI conference and somebody, um, there was a sparsely populated panel and somebody who had just left the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission was talking about algorithms, going through people's calendars and finding how long people are absent. So this was in early 2018. And she's like, you know, I'm worried that this will harm mothers and people with disabilities. Um, uh, you know, there could be bias and discrimination in here. And I was like, oh, I must, I must look into this. And I talked to some people, went to my first SIOP conference, and I was just blown away by the technology um, and have been fascinated by it ever since. And, you know, I've published about it a bunch. And then finally, I was like, I think somebody needs to write a book about this and sort of like look at the plethora of all these exploding tech tools and maybe dig a little deeper. Well, AI is all over the place. It's not just hiring, right? So why did you pick this space? It's, it's everywhere. So why, why, why did this fascinate you? It's really hard to tell. So, you know, at the time I was also like investigating facial recognition and other other technologies for the uh, Wall Street Journal. But mm. I really felt like, wait, no one is looking at AI in HR. And I went to HR Tech and I know you've been there many times. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, my head was hurting. Uh, you know, I was on the floor <laughs> for a few hours and I was like, oh, my God, this is like incredible, all this technology. And you know what? I didn't see a lot of reporters. And I was like, wait a second. Like, this is like really changing. It seems like HR is really changing with this like AI technology and other automated tools coming into the industry. And we really aren't talking about it. So I was like, I think we really should talk about this. And we really need to know how these tools work and what's happening. So I got really fascinated by it and felt like, um, you know, and I do think that reporters and the public spends a lot, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about sort of high stakes decision making, right? Like facial recognition and like Mm -hmm. who gets to board an airplane? How long are you going to be sentenced to go to prison? Like those are all high stakes decisions that we use algorithms. And I would also put hiring in that category or, you you know, using AI at work because, you know, it matters if I get the job, right? Like, I understand that people get rejected all the time um, and we often don't get the job more often than we did, do get a job, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm nervous before I go to the job interview because it matters to me if I get yeah. the job or not, right? And it's like high stakes for me. And, it you know, I can provide food for my family and a roof over our head. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of their identity tied to their jobs and they really like to have a job that they love. So uh, we got to make sure if we use technology to sort people um, and, and reject people and put them into the next round that that, that technology works. Our heads hurt at HR Tech as yes. well, but it's usually a morning <laughs> a morning after hurt that our heads oh, encounter. Yeah. That's usually your head hurts. Yeah, yeah your yeah. whole body hurts. Anyway, so... Getting into the research, uh, how did you perform the research? Did you work directly with vendors on this research? Give us a little background of the research first and foremost, and then start diving into the book. So I'm a reporter. My longtime home has been the Wall Street Journal. Um, yeah. So, you know, I did a, a couple stories for them. So, you know, we we are, as a reporter, in a glorious position to call up vendors and, like, ask them questions, and they show me their technology. And I got really curious and wanted to know, like, okay, what's under the hood? How does this work? And you can also sign up for free trials. So some of the software I tested myself. You know, I like to test it and sort of understand, okay, if I was a job applicant, how does this feel like, right? Like, how does it feel mm-hmm. to play an AI game? What do I have to do? Like, how does it feel to do a one-way video interview, right? And I think what's also interesting, I'm a professor. I teach undergrads and graduate students. And you know what? They all know higher view. If I talk to anyone over 35, they like, give me a blank stare. and like, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. all my students know all about it because the jobs that 
that they often apply for, like video interviews are super ubiquitous. Or also, you know, sort of the career entry-level jobs often um, now have AI screens, um, Uh so they know all about it. So, we, you know, we have some great discussions. I assume it's second nature. They don't think it's weird or... Why am I talking on a video? It's seg- oh, they totally think it's weird. They oh, totally they think, think it's weird. weird. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> they think it's like, why am I like speaking to myself in this like video presentation? And I think also like a lot of them really care about jobs and they want to yeah. be doing a really meaningful job in a meaningful company. And a lot mm-hmm. of them feel, um, you know, they don't actually get to talk to the companies um, and they don't get to like ask questions about the company. They don't get to see the culture of the company a little bit, right? If you go to an office, you sort of yeah. get a glimpse and you get to ask questions and, you know, most of them really do not like it and some do love it. Like, you know, there's some people who really love to be in their own room and it's quiet and they can just uh, riff off why they're good at things. So it's a one-way conversation and they don't like it. That's great insight. Yeah, it's like, uh, and you know, this is like totally uh, anecdotal, the slice of Hilka students, right? Um, but I've also talked to a bunch of folks who run career centers at, at university and they, universities, and they sort of uh, had similar sentiments from their students, right? That like, most of them really don't like it. And some like actively run away from it. And for some, they love it. But I think especially students who have a disability, they really worry that like this will be, you know, somehow, you know, hiring managers will see this and they don't get to explain why they right. maybe look off camera or something like that. Or they, ha- or, you know, they're worried that like they have a speech impairment and the AI doesn't fully grasp what they're saying. Um, and, you know, and and I think what's, what's kind of interesting is um, – uh, you know, with prior assessment, I don't know if I used to apply for like a fire department job. I knew how much, you know, like weights I have to luck around from A to B and I can train for that. But now like these assessment screens, right, or these AI screens, like a lot of people, we just don't know how we're being screened, right? Like uh, a lot of folks that I've talked to didn't even know that they were possibly screened by AI. They just thought they do a one-way video interview and poor HR a person has to watch the thousand of video interviews. They didn't know that maybe AI is even being used on them. So we don't know how we're being scored. And I think that's actually gives a lot of people anxiety, right? Like they always ask me like, well, what can I do? And I'm like, I don't necessarily know, know that either. But we didn't know how we were getting scored before. But a lot of times we would just go into a black hole. So, I mean, it just it just seems like there's bias inherent in the system no matter what. Now we're adding AI. So do you expect to get worse than what it was? I mean, I hope not, um, but I'm sort of <laughs> hoping that like uh, we wouldn't replicate the human biases. You know, I'm not. I'm actually not advocating to go back to human bias to human hiring, uh-huh. right? Like, I actually think that's like very flawed as well. And you all know this mm-hmm. that we are happier when we have a full belly, yada yada yada. We all know that, so we sh- we shouldn't go back to that. But sort of my idea is like, wait, now that we are digitizing this and like using AI to to do a lot of the hiring, like let's do this thoughtfully, and it's not replicate the biases of the past and built them into these new systems and sort of objectify them through through their technology and bringing new machine bias, right, that also comes into the system. Uh, let's thoughtfully really think about it and talk about, like, how should we do hiring? Like, if we, you know, should we really base hiring on past, uh, you know, successful employees currently in the company if we want to diversify? Is this a good idea? How can we make sure that we don't pick up what's special 
to these 50 people that we are looking at uh, versus like real skills that we needed on the job. And I think mm-hmm. we're not we're not quite there yet. So in my work, so I get to talk to the largest vendors, right? I go to HR tech and I'm very curious how these things work. And I'm glad, you know, I'm grateful to all the vendors who show me their technology, showcase it. I test it out. And, uh, you know, often I get like a trial run. And, and started. So like one thing I did, um, there's a company that I met uh, at HR Tech when it was during the pandemic, when it was all online, and it's called Curious Thing. And they, at the time, were marketing their um, AI technology. Hey, okay, before before we get into the weeds too much with, with every vendor at HR Tech, trust me, uh, we don't want to get too far in the weeds on that. Let's talk about the book. What was the inspiration for it? What was some of the research that went behind it? What are some things that shocked you? Uh, as you were going down this journey. Let's get into the book a little bit. Yeah. So what what was interesting to me, so I felt like, you know, I'm actually kind of a podcaster and a radio person and I did videos, but I actually felt like, (laughs) but I actually felt like, wait a second, like how am I going to explain a resume screening tool uh, in video? I actually kind of need words for that. So I went down the rabbit hole and had everyone and their mother explain everything to me, how their technology works, um, all the different ones. So I played AI games, I did video interviews, I tested my resume I worked with people who have uh, disabilities and also asked them to go through the screens. And then I did a lot of work on like how we're being um, tracked at work. You know, I'm really interested in like sort of things like, oh, how does like flight risk calculations work, right? Like um, what can you monitor and what can you predict out of my work habits, right? So I tracked myself for for a couple of weeks and figured out like how productive am I? Um, You know, those kinds of things. You know, I'm really interested in the idea that like we can quantify human beings and like how good we are at that. That's sort of like the driving questions in all of that. I was blown away when I walked into my first, uh, one of the first PSYOP panels in in 2018 and somebody was showing me how like, you know, back back in the day there was like the facial emotion recognition, the intonation of our voices, the words that we use and how that is all calculated to figure Mm -hmm. out how successful you are at the job. And I really was like, wow, this sounds like magic. Maybe we have found the key to find uh, to find a way to hire people better. Or it's total bullshit. Well, it turns out when you look into the <laughs> tools, it's a little bit more complicated, right? Like the facial emotion recognition, we moved away from that because, you know, there isn't a whole lot of science, uh, scientific, solid underpinning on that. So I think once I got started digging deeper and looked at things and talked to folks who get to also look into the black box a little bit, you know, there are things that came up that I think show you that like maybe some of the tools do more harm than they actually do good. And there was a little bit of an aha and an awakening moment that I felt like, wait a second. Any examples? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I talked to a couple of folks who get to come in, um, you mm-hmm. know, when large companies test the test these tools and they want to bring in vendors, they have pilot faces. And I talked to a couple of folks who looked at um, Mm -hmm. online resume screeners and uh, one of them found out, you know, they look at their technical reports and the keywords and they found out that one of the tools used uh, the word softball to downweigh applicants and the word baseball to give them a little bit more weight in the tool. (laughs) And um, that is probably gender discrimination, <laughs> yeah. right? Because the people that put the softball on their uh, resume in the United States are more often than not female and males put, maybe put baseball on the resume. And this job had nothing to do with a baseball or softball or whatever. It was just, you know, a, a statistical prediction. And so, you know, they found that and told their clients, I really wouldn't use that tool because you have a gender discrimination lawsuit waiting for you. Um, so that's kind of a thing, right? Like that, that's kind of the problems that 
that I kept discovering and discovering. There was another online resume screener that um, uh, predicted on first names, Thomas. Same thing. What? It also picked up hobbies, uh, basketball. Apparently, if you had the word Syria or and or Canada on your resume, that was a predictor of success. Um, you know, and these well, are I just... agree with that. You know, Canada is a definite <laughs> uh, whether success or not. Are you finding that sexism or racism is a bigger issue with AI? It's hard to tell. Probably maybe a little bit more sexism because I think it's easier to to check because when you do the four-fifth rule, you check men versus women. And so it comes off like pretty easily. It's a pretty easily gauge if, if, if there's something wrong. And that, you know, I heard over and over again. So there's another lawyer who looked into um, uh, an AI games vendor there was, uh, you know, he was like, you know, we tried to do it in the pilot phase, slice and dice it every different way. It was always discriminating against women. And, you know, what's sort of striking to me is that, like, we as the public don't know about this. I don't know how many HR managers now know about this. I'm sure there's like sort of, and I'm actually, I know there's sort of, you know, obviously people talk and like somebody who's in part of a pilot phase might talk to the next person um, and sort of share this, but we actually don't have this like public knowledge. So I think what happens a lot is that um, we don't push vendors and people who built this technology to do better because we don't publicly test. We don't, we have very little mm -hmm. transparency around this. So, so I do think like, you know, if a tool works, like show me the tool, great. And let's build on that. That would be great. But more often than not, what I found either when I did the test myself or I talked to other people, they were really like uh, striking things built into it that did not make it as fair as we wanted it to be. And I think another thing that people don't really look at it often enough is like sort of intersectional mm -hmm. fairness. If you are part of two groups, if you may be like an African-American woman, like that came up a couple of times as well that like vendors and companies don't always look for that because they feel like, well, the EOC is not really mandating that. And I think that's debatable if you should do that or not. And a couple of companies that did that, it did not turn out in their favor. So I think we have a lot of work to do because we know from other examples that this is a problem. And as we've seen again and again with AI, these problems keep replicating. And if we don't take a closer look and monitor these systems constantly, biases creep in all the time. Well, were you able to go down funnel and better understand on not just the, the front end on like, let's say, for instance, keywords, but also looking down to like the slates of candidates and watching like just literally the the percentage of females and let's say individuals of color were actually out. They're filtered out due to the AI. Um, because to be quite frank, most of these AI models are trained on past behavior and past behavior is exactly. bias. So, I mean, none of the surprise Joel or, or, or myself, because we keep seeing this over and over. Yes, probably no one's surprised <laughs> that in the industry. But the question is, like, if we know that, why do we keep using these tools and why do we train it on past employees or yes. current employees? Right. And sort of that's a question. And I don't know what you mean further down the funnel. So I did test video interviews. So on the top of the funnel is like the questions that they ask early on for the, like the pre-assessment. And then down funnel is like the actual outcome. Who were the gold medalists, silver medalists, and bronze medalists. Were oh. they all three white dudes? Right. And and then what did that what did that pool look like prior to getting to those the, those last three, let's say? So 
No one has opened their hiring funneling to me like that. I'm shocked. <clears throat> but I actually would love to do this kind of inquiry. And I'm working with like sociologists and computer science, and we do these like larger sample sizes. And then, then I can just do as right. a journalist, right? Like I do a sample size of two or five. And I think that's, you know, I can sort of say like something is like weird here. But I think um, more often than enough, we need these larger sample sizes. And I would love to do, you know, a long term study and sort of understand like this AI tool has labeled this person as a no hire, let's hire them and let's hire the people that you use with another AI filter in a traditional way. And let's follow them for years, thousands of them, and sort of figure out like who is actually successful. I think that would be a real benefit to society to do this. A real benefit, but also a really nice fantasy, uh, I think, in most cases. You mentioned monitoring this. We've talked everything from having an audit system, whether that's government or private sector that sort of comes in. You talk, you know, whistleblowers, because this is bias at scale, right? This isn't like the individual hiring manager. This is like mass bias. And and I think that that's where the risk lie, right? Like oh, in yeah. traditional hiring. Vendors don't want to necessarily op- open the kimono. Employers don't yep. want to open, you know, their their windows to what's going on. Like what what's your thoughts on monitoring this? What make what's a common sense approach? What has worked or what do you what do you see working in the future? So, I think what might be helpful is, you know, if everyone could be a little skeptical and ask questions about like accuracy, you know, if like AI is 90% accuracy, like what was the training data? Um, how did you do come to the 90% accuracy? Was it a holdout of your own mm-hmm. training data set? Well, if you don't have 90% accuracy, that's very bad. Your tool probably doesn't work. It's the same data set. Have you tested it in the wild? Like, you know, what other data have you used over time? How have you monitored the system? Like those are pretty easy questions to ask. I think that gives you a little bit of insight. And then I think everyone should go through a pilot phase and really figure out, okay, like, can I use biased data sets in here? Do I get biased outcomes? Like what happens if I use syn- mm-hmm. synthetic data? And then I also think, you know, I test these tools and I always tell people like, steal my methods. Like I want people to, obviously I want people to read my book, but I also want them to read the book and like steal my methods. Like how did I test the tool? So one of the tools like that says, uh, you know, it can find out if, how good people speak English. This is for yeah. call centers abroad when you hire people abroad, you know, when competency is English. So when I did it, uh, you know, I did the interview of you, I spoke English and answered all the questions in English. I got an 8.5 out of 9. English, competent, very competent, actually. I was very proud of myself. I was like, oh, man, English is my second language. This is great. What a great AI tool. And then... I spoke to it in German because I was like, for sure, all the vendors that I always talked to talked about like, you know, you have to have a threshold that you have to overcome. Uh, you know, if you have a speech impairment or there's silence, right. you get an error message. I was like, I will get an error message. And so I spoke to it in German, sent it off. And then I got a six out of nine English competent. <laughs> it was all German. I, in fact, I read the Wikipedia entry on psychometrics in German. It's called psychometry. So there was not one English word, but I got a competency score in English. And I did that with a couple of other interviews and sometimes, you know, one uh, other tools and one actually gave me a transcription. uh, And it was like, I mean, it was just gibberish. Like it didn't even make sense at all in English, but I got a 73 match score for the job. Now you talked to one of these vendors after this, did you not? And I talked to all of the vendors afterwards. And and they gave you reasoning behind it. What was their reasoning? For the one that I was six out of nine English competent, it was like very, I mean, I was like higher math interview. Like they were telling me that this is in a 5D space. And in this space, there was like German and English were close by. And that's why this like confusion in 
the AI tool. Bullshit. And I was so confused that I was like, I don't know what a 5D space is. And I'm just so confused. <laughs> and at the end, it was just like, if you in front of a judge uh-huh. and you have to explain why I was rejected or got the job, you know, made it into the next round. Like what? Like, can you just say how that happened? And it was another round of 5D and like, you know, spaces that I don't understand. And I was like, I'm not sure if you understand the developer of the tool, what your tool predicts upon. And I think that's sort of like where I feel like we need, really need to be skeptics about it. Like, and really understand, like, wait, like we make high stakes decisions on people here if they get a job or not. We kind of need to know what we are predicting upon and how these tools do do the job and how can we actually have a like sort of a print out old school speak at the end to understand, like, how did the tool derive at these um, outcomes and, and at these predictions and what were taken into consideration, right? Because we don't want proxies, baseball, basketball, or the way I speak or the way I look to be part of that. But we have to monitor these systems. So I also talked to the company that gave me a 73% match success score rate Mm -hmm. for speaking German. And it, you know, came up with this gibberish transcript in English. And they told me that it wasn't the words that I used because clearly their transcription was gibberish. And they were like, no, 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 the AI tool knew that. But it was the intonation of your voice that they checked. That was 73 match score to the job. And they congratulated me of having great intonation. I was like, I don't even know what science that built is built on. Like, we should really shouldn't use this for hiring. We should use methods that work. Well, they were assessing for English language. So therefore, your annotation, your, it doesn't matter. Well, but they were saying... The intonation, they also checked the intonation of voices. And my voice was apparently that was the one thing that stood out to the AI tool. But to qualify, you have to be able to speak English and you did not speak English. So therefore, you didn't qualify, although they're saying you did qualify because of intonation. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. But that's some of the tools that I have encountered in the space. And so that makes me think like, if me, somebody who has like really no complex technical uh, training or knowledge can play with these tools and they sort of break upon impact, we really have more work to do. And do, do you want me to read what came out of the transcription when I talked about psychometry? Yeah. So what came out of the transcription was, um, so this is like, uh, you know, the words I spoke in German and then the English transcription was, so humidity is desk, a beat up, sociology, desert iron, mind material, nematode adapt, secure location, masons, the first half gamma, their fortunes in. It goes on and on and on. But as you can tell, it's like total gibberish. And I got Crazy a 73% pills. match to the job. Um, so I think like I want people to like, use these methods too and like test these tools. Hel- like- Helka, when, 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 I, when I knew I, we were going to talk to you today, I felt really confident that you were going to clarify all this stuff, that I was going <laughs> to leave this interview <laughs> and, be, and be totally in sync with what's going on. But, but I feel less secure. I feel like the cat is out of the bag. I feel like this stuff is advancing so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and we also, a lot of these are tools for individuals. Like we have no control for the rogue recruiter that says, I'm going to throw this video in some tool that isn't, uh, you know, okayed by my company and see what it says. We talk about, uh, we talked about Google Gemini on the, on the show last week and being able to AI from voice, sight, uh, sound, text, everything. We're going into a full monitor mode of our employees, not just hiring, but while they're on the job. Oh, totally. I was like at work. Yeah, totally. Our our raises, our promotions are going to be driven by what AI says about us. Are I'm just overwhelmed by this. And it sounds like you are too. Give me some hope. 
give me some hope as we sort of wind this down that that I I don't want to jump off the ledge. Give Joel a hug. No, no, no. Don't jump off the ledge. And in fact, like I'm very hopeful that I feel like like oh, we are good. at the beginning of this, right? Ooh. Like, you know, it's it has taken over uh a lot of the HR space and we see, you know, eight out of ten of the largest companies in in the US use some sort of form of monitoring and, you know, um a lot do, but I actually think like now that we talk about it and we humans have still control over these systems, let's actually like talk about it and have a conversation how we can do this better. So mm-hmm. I actually feel this is exactly the time we need to talk about this. The same with audits. Like I've reported on audits that companies have done themselves and paid a third party entity to do these audits. And strikingly enough, the tools worked as advertised. I wonder why. Hmm. Um, because maybe there's a conflict and in interest of Bay. Um, and also, you know, we don't even really have audit standards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are we auditing for? Like, one of the audits was basically like a roundtable discussion. It didn't even look at the algorithms um, and sort of figure it out, like, what is going on here? The other one was like a conflict of interest. Like, people who were leaders of the company were on the scientific papers that was published about the audit. Like, that mm-hmm. is not clear delineation of church and state and, and uh, an independent assessment. So I don't actually believe that is, is is a good way. I think what would help is like transparency and we need like non-for-profits or some folks or universities or who knows, like testing these tools mm-hmm. at large scale, publishing that and also building tools. So then we actually maybe have an online resume screener that works and we can tell people, here's the GitHub, like take that code and build your own and manage it and monitor it and don't just build like black boxes and the like you know out there and, and don't share it um, because that's the only way that we will actually get better and sort of understand how these tools uh, work. But I agree with you that like some of it is really scary. Like in the book, I tested vocal biomarkers uh-huh. uh, that out of our speech stream can find out, you know, are you um, possibly going to have Parkinson's or maybe you're already sliding into Parkinson's, but it can also find out, are we anxious? Are we depressed? And, you know, I feel like I don't I don't know if I want my, <laughs> my boss to know that. Um, but, no. you know, anything can be used, right? Like we could use this and run this over the, the vocal biomarkers. And in fact, Ooh. I've done that because there are apps that you can download from these startups. And I've just, you know, poor random people's YouTube audios and ran it through their vocal, vocal biomarker and it gives you a score. Uh, how depressed, how anxious you are. So anything can be done with these technologies. And we don't actually know if they work, right? Like we know from science that there's something in our voices, but how exactly it works in really like 30 seconds at a time one day is probably not a good idea to Uh, understand like how depressed or anxious you are. Um, And maybe you just ran up a flight of stairs and you're out of breath. And that's why you're aroused um, uh, in your voice, right? Um, So it's like, it's like really hard to tell maybe over a long period of time. Some of us don't need AI to figure out that fat, drunk, and stupid uh, is not something that needs to be analyzed. Uh, Or a way to go through life, Cheeseman. So it's scary. (laughs) It's muddy. But it is the algorithm. Can you tell us how AI decides who gets hired, monitored, promoted, and fired, and why we need to fight back now. How do I buy this book, Hilka? Oh, how do you buy it? Yes. You just go online and buy it. Also, there's an audio version that I spoke. So I think it's really fun because I got to like reiterate my own experiment. So I nice. think it's really fun. So you can also listen to it and you can tell me all about it. Like I have like social media feeds and I would love to actually hear people's feedback on my methods and, and what I did. I'm very open to critical feedback because I want to know like what can we do better so that, you know includes me. So tell me what you think and like what else we need to look at the in book. this space. And I'm also interested in like 
looking at these tools um, myself and finding ones that really work. Like I'm really open to that. I just need to look under the the hood. Like I'm just not going to buy marketing language that this stuff uh, works as advertised because we know way too often that it doesn't. So I'm inviting everyone to look under the hood with me. She is a whirlwind, everybody. Go read the book, listen to the book. She's also very active on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Chad, that's another one in the can. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out!